When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Please welcome back to the show, Britt Giroli of The Athletic. You can find her on Twitter at Britt underscore Giroli, and you can find her writing at The Athletic, which you should already be subscribed to. If you aren't already, make sure you do that. And you can hear her on 106.7 The Fan right here in the DC market. Thanks for joining us, Britt. How have you been? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Pretty good. You know, I think I'd be better as we all would be if baseball was an active sport right now. But um, I am going on the radio, as you said, I'm trying to to find ways to keep busy, um, which has been good. But I think we're all hoping that as we sit here Tuesday, the the union and uh, MLB meet again, that hopefully we can get some positive momentum. Yes. Well, let's jump right in and talk about the, the lockout, since that's literally the only thing there is to talk about. Um, have you heard anything about what you expect them to be talking about in this upcoming meeting? Maybe anything that hasn't already been widely reported? No, I mean, I think they're going to hopefully get into some of the core economic issues that are really uh, kind of hindering any kind of agreement here. Um, I do think that the athletic Evan, Evan Drellick has done a great job of kind of laying out uh, yesterday how far apart these two sides are because I think people kind of jumped to the conclusion last week when they met twice in a row it's like wow that's great progress like they met twice in a row and it's like that the bar is so low like that's better <laughs> than not meeting sure but it doesn't mean that these parties were close at all and I think I saw a lot of erroneous um, reporting or people just kind of assuming that that meant that this was going well when in fact it really isn't uh, a lot of discrepancy on things like minimum salary. You know, they offered $15,000 for minimum salary raise for players, which, um, you know, you, when you look at percentages of $600,000, 15 grand is nothing. The players want it well into the sevens. Um, you look at things like what they want to do with the draft. 
Uh, they want to have some kind of lottery. The owners wanted three picks. The players wanted more like eight. So there's a lot of things that they're going to have to compromise on. And I don't think, unfortunately, the compromising stage is going to happen until we get into, hey, the regular season is in jeopardy. Oof. Yeah. And it's crazy for us. Like we started this podcast uh, winter of 2019. So, you know, we're heading into year four. And on our very first episode, we even said we're on a midnight train to a lockout. And that was, like I said, three years ago. And here we are sitting in the middle of a lockout that's, you know, three months long and, and counting at this point. So it definitely does seem like they've been apart for quite some time. Uh, what's one aspect of the lockout that, you know, people should be paying attention to that maybe hasn't been, you know, as covered as much? Or what's one storyline that should be talked about that isn't being talked about? So um, I think what people aren't talking about or don't realize is that players who are minor league free agents, if they have just one day of service time, they cannot sign a contract right now, even though they're looking for a minor league deal. So these guys who can't throw, can't work out for clubs because they have anything starting at literally one day in the big leagues, um, not only can they not throw for clubs, but minor league camp is set to start on time and guys will report in a few weeks and they will have nowhere to report. And once this lockout ends, the frenzy of big league teams will be to sign their big league rosters, right? Mm -hmm. They will finally get to those minor league guys. But those are the guys who um, I think people don't realize. Those are the guys not making millions. They're not even going to be making big league minimum. They're just looking to sign a contract, a minor league contract. But because of the way this is set up, they really get caught in the crosshairs. That is super interesting and not something that I had given any thought to. It That actually dovetails really nicely into my next question, which is seeing that there is going to be minor league camp and those guys are going to be down there. Do you, do you think that there's any chance that if the, the big league players remain locked out and even some of the, the people you just mentioned who were fringe players who have any kind of service time are also locked out and you're going to see a lot of guys get an opportunity to be in front of, you know, the teams that normally maybe wouldn't get much attention. Do you think there's any chance that we see guys who wouldn't likely have made a big league club, maybe make a big league clubs this year. And some of the fringe veterans or people that sometimes have a hard time signing contracts at the big league level wind up kind of on the short end of a stick. No, I don't think it'll change the roster composition. Ultimately, well, so much factors into that, like, you know, promoting prospects early is usually bad for clubs. The nationals are a team that is a little bit of an anomaly and that they don't care too much about starting the clock but I don't think you're going to see any kind of drastic change with rosters. What you are going to see um, is a lot of clubs have already asked their minor leaguers to report early if they can, because there's nothing mm. going on at these complexes. And I think usually around January, you see a lot of guys just head down to camps early to get out of the weather, just to work out, get set up with their families. And that's not the case right now, obviously. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to shift it to the owners and kind of just free agency. Obviously, as the lockout was impending back in November, we saw a crazy splash uh, free agency <laughs> day that you kind of get with, you know, the NFL free agency and NBA free agency to an extent. And it was awesome. And obviously we haven't really gotten anything since, but uh, you 
this isn't really a question. I just wanted to, you know, uh, <laughs> highlight it. You put out a tweet that was just perfect. And I wanted to bring it back up. You said people in my mentions complaining that the Mets spending spree now means smaller market teams won't be able to sign anyone repeat after me. There are no poverty franchises, just the ones that act like it. That is awesome. And I'm glad like someone like you is saying that because that's what we fans have been thinking forever. Do you, envision that ever changing or you know sometime in the near future changing where these small market teams just act or stop acting broke and stop crying broke and actually just sign teams we saw a little bit but i'm hoping we see more of it i think it's one of the main things the players want to fix in the cba and owners have been really hesitant to open their books They've been really hesitant to show where the revenue sharing money that they're getting, these smaller market teams are pocketing. Um, I think they want to establish, better establish, okay, you know, let's say the Orioles get $100 million in revenue sharing. Well, why is their payroll $40 million, right? Mm. Where's the other $60 million going? Um, I think if they can establish kind of more rules and regulations around the revenue sharing, they can kind of reverse that a little bit because, you're right. I do remember that tweet. I'm sure it got me into hot water. I, I often <laughs> say, what, say what I think. Uh, it was an off day for you too. One of the things said, we so. love about your Twitter account. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I often get myself in trouble um, with the league, but I, I do think, you know, every team can spend. Otherwise they wouldn't own a team and baseball in particular, you know, the NFL, it's all, there's no local RSNs, right? It's all national TV money. They take the pie, they split it by the teams and that's it. Baseball is unique in its structure in that you know, big market teams are giving more money to smaller market teams. And we're not really seeing smaller market teams then compete with the big market teams. We're seeing them still complain like, oh, well, we're a small market team. We can't really spend. Um, and the whole point of this was to have an even playing field. So I hope we see a day where that changes. I think fixing the draft would also help um, kind of force teams to put a competitive product on the field. But I can tell you it's something that certainly irks the players and something that is at the forefront of the union's proposals. Yeah, I hope that that does. Um, that they have some success there because it, it's so frustrating as a fan to see teams that just clearly aren't trying. And I, you know, there are a million issues between these two groups, but I think that's probably the most important of all is the trying to create, not, maybe even incentive isn't the right word, trying to force these clubs to, you know, I don't know if it can be a salary floor or something else, but like to try to to force the small market teams to put something competitive on the field would be so good for the sport. Um, your last article, or maybe one of your last articles at The Athletic, um, you talked about the how far apart they are and how the owners, as basically the stewards of the sport more generally, obviously the players are more concerned about their own situations right now, but the, the ownership in the league itself should be more concerned about you know, the entirety of the sports health going forward. And it seems like they aren't. And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are about what kind of damage is being done right now with this lockout. I mean, obviously previous work stoppages have done damage as well. And um, it seems crazy to me that, that baseball who has the oldest fan base of any major sport, and they've been dealing with dwindling audiences um, that they're willing to sacrifice people's attention and, and goodwill in this way. Right. Yeah. That was another article that I'm sure um, went over super well um, on Park <laughs> Avenue. But uh, I think when you look at it, to me, 
the players to some extent like should be more focused on making the game better right now because they're playing right now. But I think owners often make the mistake of trying to win each and every CBA, which are only every four years when my concern is who's thinking about 20 years and 50 years from now, like who Mm -hmm. is thinking, okay, what are the ramifications of this? How do we keep this sport alive? How do we keep this growing? And I think unfortunately, when you have these, you know, CBA things that get drawn out and when you have these lockouts, um, it doesn't help the sport. The team websites are totally scrubbed of any players. The network really isn't discussing anything of value. Um, I think they're allowed to use players likenesses, but, or names, maybe not likenesses. I'm not really sure. They always have baseball movies on pretty much when I go to it. Um, So I think you're really damaging the viability of the product you're damaging the excitement you know we've got the olympics around the corner this is obviously a big time in the nfl you've got the nba you've got nhl you've got so many different sports competing for fans attention um that any hint any threat of missing spring training games like maybe economically doesn't bother baseball's owners that much because they don't make that much money off spring training games but my concern is what about the people who love going down there. What about the people who plan vacations around there? What about the people who live there? You know, this is the third spring training in a row that will get messed up. And you just can't keep expecting fans to come back when mm-hmm. they have so many other options. It's showing them they can live without baseball. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. And I mean, for spring training, I remember, you know, the last couple of years, obviously with the pandemic and, and other reasons, you, you scroll on Nat's Twitter, like everyone's begging, like, where's where's the stream for today's game? Because all these games are like 12 o'clock as opposed to, you know, an eight o'clock start and they're not going to stay up for the rest of it. So it's like if they did kind of promote spring training more, maybe there would be more money involved. I don't know. People are, you know, in higher positions to make more money than me to make those kind of decisions or whatever. But it doesn't seem like uh, that big of a stretch. Uh, I do want to shift it to the Nats, though. You obviously covered the Nats for, for a little bit. And uh this is definitely a different spot for them than in years past. I wanted to get your thoughts on the team, obviously post deadline, all the moves they had to make, you know, Mike Rizzo came out and said it, it was not easy for him. I think, I believe he said it was the hardest day as a GM he he's ever had. And obviously, you know, the, the decision to trade Max Scherzer and trade Turner and people of that caliber cannot be easy, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the team and uh, how they project going forward with this kind of retool rebuild. Yeah, it's almost like ask me in a month, right? I'm not even sure who's on the team right now. <laughs> right, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, long term, I guess you can take a more of a bigger um, picture look at it. Um, I think it has. they have to develop better. Um, I don't look at it so much as like what prospects they got back from the Dodgers. My main issue with them is their development has consistently been ranked among the worst in baseball. And, you know, I was going to write this article one day and just never got around to it when I was on the Nats beat, but they don't have that success story of like a seventh round pick or eighth round pick who flourished on the big league team. They don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at other teams and they do. And, you know, they've had the can't miss guys like the Strasburgs and the Rendones. And, you know, those are first rounders who needed very little quote unquote development. Right. So, you know, I think they, if they're going to, kind of be a better team. They have to fix that first. Um, so that's kind of what I look at. You know, I know Mike Rizzo had said they were going to put together their roster, you know, after the CBA. So I really don't feel comfortable kind of opining on what kind of team they're going to be until they 
complete their team. But I think long-term, they probably need to really figure out the development because you know I fear that they're behind a lot of organizations in that category already. I agree with that. And uh, we've, been, we've yeah. talked on the podcast a few times about, about yeah, this preaching. topic and how, uh, <laughs> yes, we are in the choir um, about, you know, in the, in even just the recent signings they've made, you know, you'd love to see them hire from a team that does a better job with their player development. And we aren't really seeing that. So it is a source of frustration. Do you think um, they're going to be able, I guess, as you just said, it's hard to say until they put their team together for this year, but do you have any kind of a sense if you had to make a guess for how long it's going to take them to get back to being competitive? Do you think that there's a chance they're going to be able to have some real success before Soto hits free agency, for instance? I think that depends on how they develop this group that they just, you know, they fire sailed, got a bunch of young players. Are they going to be able to maximize their talent or not? Because if they don't, well, then you're essentially like rebuilding again on top of the rebuild, right? Which is what clubs try to avoid. Now, I don't think they're going to sit there and tank for four years like the Orioles have done. Mike Rizzo doesn't like losing. And, you know, they have a they have an ownership group that, you know, certainly has warts, but they have shown a willingness to spend, especially on pitching. So mm-hmm. I think, again, a lot of it hinges on that young group and whether they can develop them into a team that's exciting and looks, looks like it's turning the corner and it may not be this year. It may not be next year. I don't, I don't really have a a definitive timeline on it, but I think um, convincing Soto to stay is going to have less to do with what the team looks like and more to do with how much money they're willing to shell out. I know Scott Boris basically said like, Oh, you know, he wants to play for a winner and sure. Everyone wants to play for a winner, but money is always the primary mm-hmm. thing and players who are represented by Scott Boris, um, a player like Juan Soto is going to want to set the market. He's going to take the biggest deal. Going to be a lot of dollars. That is. And that's <laughs> actually my next question. And it, obviously no deals are being done right now, but just gut feeling. Obviously we've seen the Nats spend on pitching, not so much on position players. They obviously let Bryce walk. They let, you know, Anthony Rendon walk. They traded Trey Turner. Do you have gut feeling? Do you think the Nats get a deal done with Soto, whether it be an extension or free agency, or is he going to be the latest in a long line of uh, fan favorites to go to another team? Well, I don't think you're going to be able to extend a Boris client. Um, at this point in time, it's very rare. So I think you're going to have to pay for him in free agency. Uh, my colleague Maria Torres did actually a really good job of laying out why he's worth half a billion dollars. She compared him to Patrick Mahomes, his contract, uh, which I thought was fascinating. I've read I encourage, that. Yeah, I encourage people who um, m- might have missed it or, or don't subscribe to the Athletic to check it out because it was really, you know, you see that number and you're like, oh my God, like, no one's worth that kind of money. And then you 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 get into the details and the nitty gritty and you're like, oh my God, yeah, he's, he's totally worth this <laughs> for this year and this for that year. And, um, you know, I think it's going to depend on whether ownership wants to kind of issue him a blank check or not, because that's a huge amount of money. And is that going to be, is he going to be a Mike Trout situation where you've got this great player locked up forever, but you can't afford, you've got nobody else around him, right? Which is what the angels had for years. So I know people want to keep him, but I think you have to look at, okay, what is the nationals ceiling on the budget? What is the absolute we can't go over? If it's only Juan Soto and, you know, a bunch of, really cheap arbitration eligible guys are people really going to like that are they just going to go to the stadium just only see soto is that going to get old 
after a while, right? I don't I don't right. know. I don't know the answer to that. I think the easy answer as a fan is to say, pay Soto and then build a great team around him. But you also have to wonder, like, what is the cost, especially for a team that gets totally screwed on their RSN money? And I wonder if that would ever change and if that would significantly change the Nationals and their and their payroll and what they're able to do because they still spend like as top five team and payroll, even though they really don't get anything from the Masson deal. So I, you know, does that ever resolve itself? There are so many factors involved when you think about what should they keep Juan Soto? Should they not keep Juan Soto? I think the knee jerk reaction is, yeah, of course. But what Mm -hmm. if I told you that they couldn't afford anything else? Would you still want him? Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific question. Yeah, I think if you ask NAS fans, they'd all say yes. Yeah, you know, I it's mean, not their I, money. So like, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said, so much more goes into it than, uh, you know, I think most fans realize or appreciate. But uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just so tired of being hurt at this point that uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, extended. Yeah, for, really. If I would love know, to see him just a be in that forever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you got to do to make that work. Yeah, it is. It's going to be tough to, to do it. And, you know, not, I also wondered, they just open that sports book, you know, if they sell the naming rights to the stadium, like there are avenues of revenue that feel like they could offset a blockbuster deal like that. But it just, like you said, nobody knows in the mind of the learner family, what's their drop dead payroll number. So you have to, I guess, know what that is and then, you know, work backwards to see what could you pay Soto. Right. And again, I think people would be super excited if they signed Soto, but what if they win 60, 70 games for the first three, four years? Are people still excited about it? That does make it less exciting. I have to ask Phillies fans. <laughs> oh, right. burn. L- little shot. Or, Mike, or Angels fans. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's yeah, the same thing, right? So yeah. I think, I think again, it's a really obvious thing at first. Like, of course, open up the pay, open up the, you know, the checkbook learners pay Soto. And then it's like, well, they've got a lot of money on the book still. Um, yeah, you Steven know, Strasburg it, is the contract that shall not be named. <laughs> yes. It, it's just fascinating <laughs> to think about that could go down as one of the worst contracts in baseball history. And it's just really interesting to think about, mm-hmm. uh, what they could or couldn't do if they were to sign Soto. It is. It is an interesting question. Yep. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Cause I don't think it's going to be before he hits free agency. Probably no. not. Yeah. Well, Britt, we thank you so much for your time. This is going to be our final question for you. And it's obviously the most important question at this time. And uh, there's no one, you're the smartest person we've ever had in the show. Uh, well, it's <laughs> definitely on right, right now. So you, you're the most qualified to answer this. Um, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Oh, gosh, I highly doubt I'm the smartest person on the show. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for Matt Stafford because I went to school in Michigan and this is like the closest that Michigan's going to get to a Super Bowl. Like I saw like a funny like meme. It was like Eminem is performing. Matt Stafford is playing. This, this is it Detroit. This is your chance. Um, Which is probably true though. Honestly, I wouldn't be upset if the Bengals won either because they're such a terrific story. I think, you know, you look at Joe Burrow, what he was able to do at LSU, uh, what that whole team's been able to do in, in turning around a fan base that like, you know, they haven't been relevant since, you know, for essentially like 30 years or so. So you know, to me, it's kind of one of those rare Super Bowls where there's not like a, an enemy where you're like, God, I hope the Patriots don't win again. Or, mm-hmm. oh, here's Tom Brady again. Right. Like it's, it's a really cool Super Bowl, which I, I don't know if I can say that really most years. I think it's going to be really exciting. Uh, but I, I am at the end of the day pulling for the Rams. 
Excellent. I'm definitely pulling for the Bengals. My dad's from Ohio, so that's as, as close wow. of a connection as I have. Plus, as a fan of the Washington football team who has suffered long and much, <laughs> I, uh, you're I, still mad. I'm still I, mad about Stafford. Yeah. I am. I am still mad about Stafford. And I just to see a fan base that has all, also suffered similarly to uh, to win it all would be, I'd be very happy for them. <laughs> True. Now, what if the Washington football team had gotten Stafford? Imagine how good. Oh. Or, you know, would they be a playoff team? You know, you could probably make that case as a quarterback driven league. In true, It's true. Or had drafted Justin Herbert instead of Chase Young. There are a lot of what ifs. <laughs> or if they had tanked two years ago, because getting into the playoffs when you're not a good team, like that was the year to get the quarterbacks. Yeah, I so. know. There are many things this team does that make me weep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, it's very interesting. Um, you know, it's a uh, going on the radio and talking about sleep football has really opened my eyes to just like how frustrated Washington football team fans are. Oh uh, yeah, it's source of endless, endless frustration and pain. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. But don't worry, they'll have oh. a new name tomorrow that will hopefully distract from everything over the past you yeah. know, 40 years, I, 30 years. I'm and then sure. a congressional hearing the day after that, right? <laughs> exactly. And then it's all back Because again. we can't have nice things, that's why. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Britt. We always appreciate it. Um, we will definitely be um, listening to you on the radio here in town and checking out what you're writing over at The Athletic. Um, for those of you who don't already follow her, shame on you. You can follow her on Twitter at Britt underscore Giroli. And hopefully we can chat with you again soon and talk about something other than a lockout. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks, Britt. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go Nats. we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's Let's go.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.